بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگس آف اللہ بی اپون یو آل ویلکم ٹو انادر ایپیسوڈ آف دا ڈرائیو ٹائم شو ہے آن دا وائس آف اسلام ریڈیو ٹوڈے از ٹیوزڈے دی فورٹینتھ آف فیبروری ٹوینٹی ٹوینٹی تھری ود مائی سیلف شرجیل احمد این اوسو ساد احمد از ویل السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ ہاؤ یو ڈنگ سافٹرنون السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ الحمد للہ ڈنگ ریئلی گڈ ٹوڈے تھینک یو سو مچ فار آسکنگ Yeah, alhamdulillah. And <laughs> it's good, it's good because uh, yes. on the, you know, on, on, the, on the weekend, officially, uh, you were, you know, you were married, isn't it? Officially, I was married, well, yes. Congratulations to you Zarkula. as well. Um, uh, in, that, in that one as well. Um, something, what we, or what we're going to be talking about uh, in, today's, uh, in today's Drive Time show, firstly, we're going to be talking about uh, career paths. and how much uh, a lot of people a lot of youngsters as well they go through a lot of different struggles to actually go through this pro- whole process correct um finding the right job or career for them and then sticking to that sticking to that job or sticking to that career path uh, as well in the long run um but obviously you know there are different struggles as i mentioned different struggles that people go through um and uh, different avenues different pathways and different things which actually lead them towards the job or the career that they're actually doing. Um, so that's going to be quite interesting uh, as well. And towards the second part of the show, we're going to be talking about um, religion. Do we need it? Uh, it's a very, very big question, very bold question. And, you know, within the within the span of, of an hour or so, I don't think we'll, we will be able to cover it. Um, but uh, you know the, the whole you know the whole aspect of it because it's such a vast topic do we actually need religion uh, we can talk about this for you know there's so many different avenues which we can actually go into and talk about this as well but um, we're going to be you know shedding some light or trying to shed some light uh, on that topic uh, towards the towards the second part of the show uh, as well um, as I mentioned in the in the beginning or in the beginning part of the show the first part of the show we're talking about uh, choosing a career pathway and its struggles also we're asking a question on our instagram handle of voice of islam uk what's the most important thing in a career um so we've give we've given four options um one is work balance is it money is it reputation or happiness uh, out of these four uh, what would you what would you choose what would you pick what's the most important thing when choosing a career and also if there's something else that you want to that you want to add on to that as well you can comment on uh, comment uh, on this uh, on this um, on this poll as well at voice of islam uk which is our handle on twitter uh, so you know we we're, we're very much looking forward to what you guys have you know i'm I'll be, i'm interested in finding out also what's going to happen hmm. you know if is a work balance money reputation or happiness yeah that we you know let's see what our audience hmm. our listeners tell us about regarding their choice what they're looking for in a career and you know when choosing a career anyways right is one of the toughest decisions mm. for, for oneself absolutely it is because there are so many careers out there you can be an engineer architect an um, archaeologist you can be a missionary you can mm. there's a doctor mm. right yeah doctor you, lawyer teacher lawyer, all of the anything you can just think about and there's a career even for like um in media side you can go into you can mm. um explore many aspects of media you can explore even like in research right be, be, yeah. being an explorer yeah. finding out new stuff finding getting out new that out. discovering new things exactly yeah, so if you have so much out there and then it comes upon yourself okay what am i interested in that's mm. the question i once should ask in and what do you like this mm. do you want to do that mm. and sometimes what happens is you 
think about some let's say you want to, wanted to go become a lawyer or a doctor but your life turns and something um, occurs in life and you become a teacher hmm. for some reason or you become um, a researcher or an architect you, these are two different paths hmm. being a lawyer or being an architect right once he is is he drawing and hmm. um, buildings or or designing, designing stuff buildings and, and stuff. then also called a lawyer is um fighting cases fight um reading books getting out okay where are some clauses which we can look into and um, help someone out in their difficulties hmm. and you know so it's upon oneself also to find out okay am i a lawyer or do i want to go into this section hmm. or this but obviously life it does take different turns even for for myself always I was thinking to go becoming something else mm. but Allah had all the plans for me yeah and I became a, I became a missionary yeah and you know it was but the thing is 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 the journey it's the, the journey, journey is still well. continuing obviously you're still learning every single day but uh, becoming a missionary and being graduated from um, the institution of uh, Jamia in the UK and that was you know it was a journey in itself it mm. was a beautiful journey mm. you've learned so much you've, you've um you have you learned so much more regarding your own religion uh, what religion even is what um um how do we connect to allah allah, allah the almighty hmm. because when you come obviously when i came my school of thinking or my thinking was a bit different i wanted to okay i was like what what am i doing right obviously when you knew you don't know anything you're still starting off hmm. these are prayers for myself and then i was like okay let's 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 try because you know it was my parents wanted it my grandparents wanted it hmm. um because that the um, the sons become my grandparents wanted, wanted their, their sons to become missionaries but obviously hmm. a lot other other plans for them they didn't become but their children became missionaries after hmm. that hmm. and they're spreading the message of islam and and i don't know how i became a missionary i'm still to this day right i i am i'm surprised that allah had uh, i had plans for myself something else right, right. but allah is the best planner out of all everyone of course allah knows what's best for every single person so i i'm um grateful to allah, allah the almighty and thankful to him for this choice and alhamdulillah you know making me more connected to my religion first being apart from it far away but somehow allah the almighty mm. with prayers of my parents and my grandparents and obviously his holiness hazrat khalifatul masih khamis he was allah bin aziz and his guidance which he, when i went to him and before i was joining i asked him he's like okay you go jamia hmm. jamia will visit the institution of theology and modern, theology languages. And modern languages and he said okay you go there and uh, i was like okay and also i was surprised i was, I was thinking because i asked like hey, he might say okay, go do that what do, hmm. what do you want to do go into finance because my math was really good and i always wanted to learn about finance how it works what happens with it hmm. but allah had other plans and his holiness his guidance was obviously the greatest thing and alhamdulillah i i i'm thankful mm. for what has become out of it now yeah i mean like like you said um it's 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 that journey as well yes. isn't it i mean obviously choosing a career is uh, difficult in itself you might think you know i'm i'm good at this thing i want to pursue this thing but then something happens in your life you meet a certain person Correct. or you get guidance from from someone or or from people as well and then your 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 mindset sort of changes you choose a different path you choose a different career and then that is something that you do and you think that maybe you know this is something which which was better for me what I what I actually thought Correct. of it myself when I was younger so it it is that it is that journey as well and it's never too it's never too early to think about your career as well because some, there are some people who 
when they're when they're at a very young age, they think, you know, I'm going to do this, and then they pursue that. They do they, they they just do that, and there's nothing that stops them because everything and everyone sort of encourages them to do that thing as well. But then sometimes when you want to do something, but then certain things happen, and then you think that you know maybe something else is better for me. And then obviously, like you mentioned, you know, Allah, Allah the Almighty is He is the best planner. Correct. And you might plan something, but that might not be the best thing for you. You might not even know it. Um, and then God Almighty puts you on that path, and then you do that, you pursue that, and then that's you know that becomes your that becomes your sort of uh, your 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 goal and your achievement or your target that you want to achieve as well. Yes. But like you, you know, it's good that you mentioned as well that every day, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're on that journey as well. When you choose that career path, or when you choose any path that you want to pursue, it's of course, first of all, becoming a part of that career, isn't it? So, sort of getting on that track. But once you're on that track, then from then onwards, that's another, that's, that's another, another that's another journey, isn't it? That's correct. So, like you mentioned, the you know the years that we spent in uh, in the institution of uh, of of languages and modern theology, of uh, theology and modern languages, it's um, being part of you know being being there for you know those seven years or whatever. That is a whole journey in yes. itself. As soon as that finishes, that you're, you're, another part of that journey. Opens up and and begins, isn't it? And because uh, I just graduated last year, yeah, yeah. and it's a complete new journey. It's a, it's for me a completely again. different thing. So isn't you're it? starting from zero again and yeah. starting to build it up again. Yeah, yeah. That's why I tell always my exactly. the youngsters always tell them, you know, whatever career you guys choose, hmm. remember this: that there there will be no ups, just ups, right? There will be um, highs and lows. You have to struggle to attain the goal you um um aiming for. Hmm. And you know, with this, the youngsters like okay. When they ask me, right, how is um, the institution of um, one language in theology? I was like, listen, if you want to go, go. But if you want to try also something else, or do you mm. have planning, you can also go. You there. can also pursue that. Also, there's nothing it. wrong. There's, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong in that. With, yeah. If you want to become an engineer, an architect, mm. um, or a doctor, or a lawyer, whatever career you want to take, right? These are you know, the common, yeah. uh, um, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> the common professions. Co- or, common professions exactly. that everyone goes for, right? The parents want them to. Yeah, sorry, parents want to go for. And so that's <laughs> why these are like, stuck in my head. That's why I always say lawyer, uh, engineer, or doctor. Mm. Um, exactly. But obviously there, there are many careers out there. You can, be in, in, you, you can go into media, you can mm. go into research, you can go in so many vast things. I mean, you can especially, choose any career that, that suits you Especially with um, technology nowadays. With you, technology as well, yeah. And you, people are working from, from home and they're um, running companies like this. I know I, I know some people who are working from home for a company and they don't go office yeah. because th- this is how they work. This is how they work at home And as well. it's, it's saying, okay, it's, uh, sometimes there, there are pros and cons obviously for that also mm. and there's pros and cons for offices also. But we're not going into that aspect today. We're talking yeah. about careers today. Now you know it's 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 good that you mentioned about uh, young children as well. You yeah. know, when talking to them and getting their sort of uh, insight in regards to this as well, because their minds are also developing, isn't it? Correct. And this is why, according to the government, primary school primary school children, um, students as young as five and six years old, are also um, are to be the target of a new careers program in England, encouraging them to actually think about uh, their future jobs as well as early as possible. And according to the Department of Education, children start to, you know, like we mentioned as well, they, they start to form ideas about their future um, when, you know, when they when, when they begin primary school. And then obviously, you know, when they go to secondary school and when they, you know, go further in education as well, they go into that uh, more so. So um, it is interesting. It is interesting uh, as well 
um, what young people have to say. Sometimes what they say in the beginning of primary school is very much different to what they say at the end of pri- <laughs> at the end of primary school and the beginning of secondary school until the end of secondary school. But you know, for well. children, right? They have so many plans for themselves. <laughs> Even when I was younger, um, I had so many plans for myself. I want to be a pilot, um, mm. being able to fly cars. You know, wild imana- uh, imagination. As children, we have such a vast Im- imagination that we think that we can conquer the world hmm. just by today. In in, in today's in 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 the next twenty four hours, we can we can conquer it. I can become a pilot, I, and I I can be flying just like Superman or something. Because hmm. you're you're a child, <laughs> you think, okay, yes, I can do everything. And obviously, as you get educated. You're like okay, okay. I can't be Superman, hmm. but I can do some work uh, which is re- realistic, but like Superman, <laughs> like helping Clark people. Like, yeah, for example, like helping people. Right? He was helping people. Hmm. You can you can you can become a helper. You can help with um, make the society better. That's also a career, also in itself, um, for the betterment of society. You working and school, uh, being a careers advisor, for example. That's also a career. That's right? also that's also a career you, as well. You, because you have such um, you've been working in such industries for such a long time that yes, you can tell them okay, this industry I've been working for, in for mm. X amount of time. This is my advice, mm. and if you want to go pursue that um, X career, for example, okay, follow these steps. These these will help you. Mm. Obviously, um, everyone has their own journey, but to ease that journey, do you have advisors, helpers, who guide you through that process also? So I mean that's that's that is a very good thing as well, and, and just um, you know with that sort of uh, introduction as well, let's speak to our let's speak to our guest who's on the line with us, Miss Kuleshi, who's a careers lead at uh, Levensholm High School. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Good afternoon, and welcome to the show. Yes, walaikum salam. Good afternoon to everybody. Thank you. How's so everybody much. doing? Yes, we're great. We're, we're good. Doing, thank we're doing you good for um, okay. Thank you for joining us as well. Uh, in your in your expertise, in your uh, experience, how career orientated are secondary school students? I think they're very motivated and career oriented because if you see from this generation, they have so much information at the tap of the hand that it was not like this when I was growing up. Mm. So they are very motivated. Some of them know exactly what they want to do from year seven. Obviously some they don't, some will be guided through their secondary journey. But obviously, there was some, I mean, when I was growing up, there were not even those kind of careers that I was not even aware of, mm. you know. Mm. So, so much information, so much opportunities out there for our young people that it's unbelievable. It's just a matter of tapping into those opportunities and raising their awareness. Interesting, interesting. Um, and it's funny, or, I mean, it's interesting how, you know, as time passes as well, that sort of you know, mindset, uh, you know, changes as well. Um with students who are sort of making decisions, how how do you support those students um, in so making I, those decisions as well? Yeah, so if I take our school, I mean, obviously, for example, obviously, it is our vision and mission that all students need a planned progression of activities to help them choose the progression routes throughout the journey, obviously, so they are prepared for life in this modern Britain. So they need to be well-rounded people who are resilient, who are confident, who have the team working skills, because that's very important when they go into the employment world. So we have a lot of uh, careers partners that work with us. We've got a lot, lot of companies and outside people who come and do a lot of work like Inspiring Speakers Program. We've got like person development. Obviously, mental health also comes into mind. You know, if you think about COVID, you know, uh, how it has affected a lot of students. 
And we also have an impartial career advising service that we have in school that from year 7 to year 11 students can book in appointments. I mean, obviously, the main priority is for the year 11 students hmm. who get to see the career advisor through the year 11 journey. But they are picked up early on as well, and they can actually be supported throughout the journey. So obviously, we have bespoke sessions, college sessions. We have college um, representatives who come in, the drop-in sessions, personal statement, interview mock skills sessions, and application support session as well. So there's lots that goes on, and obviously we support them through, you know, the PSHE days, form time assemblies, and, you know, again, uh, employment-led sessions as well in classrooms. Mm, very interesting. So obviously um, that helps them, yeah. you know, think about careers and everything like that. And obviously the, the journey is from year seven. You know, I was, I think, listening to your, you know, somebody was saying about the primary school, so it has to start early where we need to obviously, you know, guide them and obviously give them all the kind of, uh, you know, to equip them so that they can make that informed decision mm. when it comes to uh, year 11. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what about what about their grades when they, obviously, when they're doing the GCSE? It's not, what if they, you know, sometimes they, if they don't get the grades that they wanted to and they wanted to pursue a, a particular career path, how how does that sort of work out or do, do they need to change so, their careers or what? So, yes, obviously, I mean, you have to have a backup plan. I always say to the students, uh, you, I mean, you because you never know, you know, obviously you work hard, you you are obviously predicted certain kind of grades, but anything can happen, you know, on actually when you're sitting for your GCSE exams. So GCSE, you know, obviously performance is usually a good indicator of how well a person has done. Obviously, a lot of employers right now also are looking for students with a good math and English GCSE because, you know, that's, that those are the mandatory subjects that, you know, we are required to pass, um, you know, at a grade four. But if, if it's not, then the college and whatever they are planning to do, there are other routes. So regardless of even if you don't get those grades that you were expected to get, there will always be a course or something related for you to pursue. You might need to change your career pathway, but there's always be something for you to do because there are traineeships, there's apprenticeships, there are vocational routes, obviously then there's more academic A-level routes. So it all depends on what you are planning to pursue. But yes, there are times when students have to change their career pathway if they don't get those grades. Hmm. You know, as you also mentioned regarding um, you, children can um, access education just at, at one tap. So how can online career tests um, accurately determine what careers are suitable for them? I would, I would for the career test, I won't say they're accurately determined, but I think mm-hmm. they are there as a guideline. Okay. I, would, I would say they're a guideline that, you know, okay, if I'm doing a, like a career test and I'm saying it's a guideline, what I really actually like to do. But until and unless I'm actually in that career, then I know, okay, you know, this is for me. But it could be, I mean, there are lots of people that we see and a lot of speakers that come in um, in, in their journey, they have changed their careers. Mm-hmm. So it could be that something has come up and they've then they've actually further done some more education and they've gone to the university a little bit later on or done something else, courses, and they've changed their career pathway. So, yes, they are there to determine possibly, to guide you more like, you know, what you're suitable for. Because okay. we do these uh, quizzes and everything with the students about, you know, your, your personality and everything like that. So it will give them an idea, but not necessary 
that they will actually go and pursue that career. That's that's my thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, just just for information, I want to know, for example, um, if when people come for presenting um, regarding the careers of choice, does uh, children also take that on board and change their careers just because they've listened to someone? Does this also? Yeah. Happen? I mean. Yeah, it could be. It can spark an interest because we do. I mean, we do offer opportunities. Sometimes we have lunchtime drop-ins, and mm-hmm. sometimes we have assemblies. So when we have assemblies, it is catered for the whole year group. Okay. So it could, it could just spark an interest in any one of them at that time. Because I was ru- just running a session just just recently on apprenticeships during the apprenticeship week, and then there were students. I was like, yes, you know, I can do this. I was not aware of certain you know pathway like degree apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Girls were not aware of. So, you know, obviously when you hear about the degree apprenticeships and everything like that, so they're thinking, okay, you know what, I won't have a debt and I can pursue a certain career through a degree uh, apprenticeship. Obviously not necessarily your doctors and dentists, but Mm -hmm. there's so many other careers that can be actually tapped into via the vocational route, via the new key levels, via the apprenticeship routes. You know, um, you know, when I was going to secondary school, um, it's been ten years now. We never had any careers leads there. So I wanted to ask, uh, what inspired you to become a careers lead and a coordinator at secondary school? I think uh, the inspiration comes from younger people. My youngest self, possibly because I didn't have that much opportunities yes. when I was growing up, and my children right now as well. I think I wanted to equip myself with all the knowledge and. Uh, and to raise the aspirations of our young people and to give those opportunities that for some students who are not able to get those opportunities outside mm-hmm. of the school, you know, they don't have those links or yes. network outside. So giving them the opportunities and giving them the awareness that, yes, this is possible. There are all opportunities right at our doorstep living in this, you know, in this country and, 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 and in my city where I come from, Manchester. So. Yeah, basically that's wow. that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Ms. Krishi, and enlightening Thank our listeners so re- regarding um, careers lead. And hopefully, our listeners and younger listeners might be able to go up to their careers lead in their schools and find out how they can um, develop I their so. careers. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yes. Thank you so much for your uh, invitation as well. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us today. That was uh, that was Ms. Qureshi, who's a careers lead at uh, Levens Hume High School. Um, uh, so very very insightful uh, uh, as well. Speaking to her, isn't it? You know, uh, as, she, as she mentioned, you know, um, the companies coming in. Mm-hmm. You have speakers giving um, speeches regarding careers and also regarding uh, mental health and the COVID uh, situation. Yeah, we were in mock interviews. Okay, mock interviews were also in our time when, when I go like 10, 10, 15, 10 years back or so. Yeah. They were there, mm. but there was no one there to you know guide us. Okay, you have these marks. You you can tap into this in industry, mm. or you have these skills. Try this. Um, industry that might work for you. We never had this, and you know, and it's great that the youngest. And that's good, you know. That's, that's, it's and that's, really that's, good. It's that's, really that's good. a positive. It's, it's a step towards the future, right? Hmm. So obviously, um, you start from one point and you develop over time. And this development, which is, I think, is phenomenal. It's so hmm. great that the youngsters are being advised at a young age, so they can think about okay, instead, um, these are my marks. I can look into these industries, hmm. or these I are can, my interests. This is what these I'm are my interests. Interests and hmm. the companies who are coming to deliver speeches or presentations, and they say okay, okay, that's that's linking to my thinking. Okay, let me try with them. You know, hmm. And as as she also mentioned, the companies do pick up children before also. Yeah. 
So and they and they and they and they school they mold them and they educate them and they become um, great um, in in, the, in that industry. So these are things you know with careers leads uh, are for our career advisors or you know um, all these people are just there to help the youngsters to you know develop for their own future. It's really positive as well because she also said that when when you know she was narrating her own incident as yes. well that when she was younger she didn't really know uh, sort of you know which direction to to go towards as Correct. well. So once you once you have a person who's advising you and you have that person who's you know who's who's telling you that you know this is what you're good at this is what you can do this is what you can tap into maybe consider this or that that's uh, that's very positive as well yes and it puts the children into that mindset from a young age that you know this is a goal this is something that I can do and uh, it puts them uh, you know puts them on a path because if you're not if you're uncertain about something then you're not you're not going to be able to pursue whatever you want to pursue you don't have that that target isn't it yeah. once you have a target then it's then it's then you're more streamlined you know that's the thing um, what comes in my mind you know how do we find out what's right mm. for ourselves mm. what should we use or yeah. what um, type of career choice do we should i go through yeah. you know in the holy quran it says la yukallifullahu nafsan illa wusaha that allah doesn't burden anyone um, beyond his capacity beyond yeah. his capacity and these are the things which you know and it's such a beautiful teaching there in the holy quran that you we should be striving to excel in just not being lazy mm. just it try our best i uh, remember we did a show on willpower a couple of weeks yeah. back yeah. having that mental capacity or the mental strength to go and do what's it called regarding your own um, careers so mm. these you know, these things are uh, in my opinion do matter that you, we should strive and if you are thinking let's say for example i want to go into that ex- in industry and go for it also go for it, and just try yeah it's, it's a trial and error right and obviously have help on the way you have crazy leads they can help you out you have um older siblings if you um mm. or someone in that industry can help you out yeah or your parents or your um, guardians can help you out or your friends who might be in that industry you or, or the links you make while being in that industry they might be able to guide you through mm. that path like for example when we joined um at um, modern language and theology institution mm. we had our seniors to help us and guide us yeah and every single step for example we had our teachers our principal and they were there just to help us and guide us and obviously his holiness has left him see khamsi al-abdulaziz he was there to help us and guide us throughout every single step and being there and being able to write letters and ask for his guidance mm. on everything even during exam period when we had exam period exam, exam period yeah. <laughs> you know those uh, one month of exams in each semester they they were so such a um, tough time so you they're going through that right now as well yeah, isn't you, it? You have <laughs> in the month of february in the month of february the yeah, students are going through, through that right, and it's, it's such a stressful time it's a daunting also. time yeah and we i don't know the words for it right now but you know you give you 150 100, 200% into it mm. so just make sure i get my best results into it and and we've seen i've seen my mom's students who have put in so much effort and they do excel mm. in 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 the exams and get the great best best marks or the um grades they they were mm. hoping they will get um, for getting so these are things you know these are the <laughs> things to i mean obviously once you have a once you have a support network right, that that can really really help you in in you know every aspect as well whenever you're you know feeling down whenever you feel as if you know I'm burning out or something or you're sort of uncertain about something you can always tap into that and then you know you can get you can get the reassurance that you know no i i am on the 
I am on this path and this is my goal. This is something I want to achieve. And you've got the help that, uh, you know, surrounding you as well. And of course, what you mentioned as well, His Holiness always, you know, may Allah be his helper, always guiding us uh, through every step of the Correct. way as well. And, you know, once just speaking about just speaking about Jamia Ahmadiyya, right, in the Institute of Language, Modern Languages and Theology as well, talking about how one when, when passes through those seven years or goes through those seven years and actually comes out and becomes an imam of the community, his holiness comes for the convocation, right? Yes. And one of the things which he always says is, uh, it's very interesting as well, he says, and you know, don't think that, you know, you've achieved all of the knowledge that you can now. Now, your knowledge has just be your knowledge has just begun. Yes. You know, don't think that you've, you've oh, I know this much now, I know that much, this and that, I'm on this level, I'm on this station as well. You know, once you graduate from your, you know, from from that university, your first, you know, your 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 actual life begins then. It's, it? it's like ground zero all it's over. Like ground zero all over again, and then you, you know, you you have that foundation, but you need to build upon that foundation as well. Just, you can't just say your foundation is there, but and the building is done. You have to build the building on top of that foundation. Correct. So the foundation is made. Um, it's just you know, it's our job to actually. And this all building—that's all. That all links to willpower. That all links to willpower. That exactly. links to willpower. Exactly. So having that mental strength or being able to do it and saying yes, I can. Definitely. So you know, everyone has the motivations, right? Someone, yeah. that, for example, we, the questions we are asking also today um, uh, was called "What is the most important thing in careers?" Right? For someone, it might be work balance, money, mm. reputation, or happiness. Uh, but someone's motivated by these stuff also. But what? motivated you to becoming a missionary you know it's for me it's, it was very it was interesting as well because i was um one of those students you know in, in primary school secondary school that didn't really pay any interest in school mm-hmm. right wasn't really interested at all um didn't really know what uh, which path i wanted to go through and then i went to you know a levels as well but then i didn't really like it i didn't I chose some st- topics where i didn't even like uh, i don't know why but then, you know, one thing which was actually good for me, well, that that was a turning point in my life as well. And that was that I used to listen to Huzur's or His Holiness's Friday sermons, right? And His Holiness mentioned a few things um, that, you know, this is how you should be, this is how you should behave, and this is how, uh, you know, you should try and help one another, right? So it was because of those His Holiness's Friday sermons that actually motivated me to actually, you know, maybe this is the path that, that's right for me. Then I chose that path, and then you know I got admission, and then you know that's uh, then uh, that's basically it. And wow. then the seven years are done. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I I graduated in twenty sixteen, right? Yes, when, so when I was my first or second year. First or second, second year, I believe. And uh, you know, it's been uh, you know how long? It's been six years <laughs> since that. So, and you know, time time flies time flies as well. Yes, I don't know about you, but for me. Time has actually, you know, gone by very, very quick. Let's let's speak a little bit more about this as well after because I, it is very interesting. Um, but before that, let's speak to let's speak to our, our next guest who is on the line with us, Ruj Anwar, who's a career advisor at Manchester Manchester Metropolitan University. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, do you think that you know the universities actually as a whole are providing students with the relevant education for pursuing careers for for their future um so i think with the current climate of kind of continuous the continuous need for improvement in schools i think a lot of universities are 
um, placing a lot of importance on those skills and being able to provide those for the students. Mm. Um, so personally, at, at um, you know at Manchester Metropolitan, we do a lot of carbon literacy training where we work with students to kind of um, help them understand how to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, and then just in terms of work placement and um, degree apprenticeships, uh, we're trying to make sure that we're giving students the skills that they'll need for oh. the kind of upcoming workforce that they'll be entering. Interesting. So that's uh, that's positive as well. Do you how how does the the exposure though to to career services differ um, to you know international students compared to the to, to the UK students? Um, so I think it's important to understand that um, obviously students um, who are coming from other countries have slightly different experiences when it comes to um, jobs in the UK or mm. looking for jobs. So I think as university providers, we have to understand and recognise that difference and make sure that we are giving them exposure to the relevant um, employers that may specialise with working with international students or who understand the, the kind of niche that comes uh, with being an international student. Um, and just in regards to that as well, we do offer sessions for students around kind of the more technical things in terms of work visas and things like that. Um, and that's usually from legal experts so that they've got that kind of connection with the kind of legal side um, of things when it comes to their differences in comparison to the UK students. Now, when, when you know, uh, students uh, sort of uh, choose and pick pathways, how, how do you think or what do you think has the biggest impact on a student's uh, career pathway? So I think one thing that's important to kind of understand or realise is that um, obviously everyone comes from a different background and I think it's up to us as practitioners to be able to provide support um, in terms of um, kind of specialised support regardless of kind of student background. And I think in terms of what the biggest impact is, is that maybe their exposure or access to um, kind of careers um, advice earlier on in education, perhaps. Um, but I, like, for example, I myself come from a teaching background. Um, so I've worked with um, students um, in high schools and in colleges in terms of careers. Um, so I think I, I kind of understand the importance of being able to give them that exposure from a young age. And I think that is one of the impacts um, or one of the things that can impact the students' um, kind of ability in the career pathway when it comes to kind of um, higher education. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I think at the university, we, um, we've got programmes and initiatives in place to support students as best we can. And um, so we've got um, a programme called the Aspire programme, which works specifically with kind of... Um, students of a black heritage and ensuring that um, you know there's equal opportunities in terms of uh, any socioeconomic um, background mm -hmm. um, and we've also got something called the first generation program which again works with students from a kind of niche um, group just ensuring that everyone's got those equal opportunities and that there aren't um, you know specific things that might impact a student's career pathway Okay. Um, thank you so much, um, Aruj, for it. Uh, I wanted to ask, what um, 
importance does a role model play for the uh, um, school students out there? Um, or the positive impact they cause uh, on them? So I think for me personally, I think that um, having positive role models when it comes to careers is one of the most important things in shaping what career the student themselves goes into. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by even just through parents, family, friends, siblings, um, friends in general, I think if students have the exposure to, um, you know, people in different industries, they have that knowledge and they have that capital to be able to then make a decision. And I think, you know, a lot of institutions, um, including the one that I'm at myself, um, you know, we work towards um, ensuring that students do have those role models, Mm -hmm. um, at least within our institutions and during their degrees so that they don't feel like they're missing out on anything. So we do do a lot of kind of mentoring programs with alumni of the university so that they, so students can see that people that were in their position, um, you know, uh, have made something of themselves in a specific sector. So I think um, in a lot of cases, the alumni network specifically is really useful because it can it might be a graduate that's just recently graduated and they can talk about how their experience relates to that student mm-hmm. who's you know currently a first year etc so i think by providing those role models to those specific students that might not have them and um, i think that's a really big part of our role generally um, in higher education correct um, and how do you highlight um, finding those students who need those role models so i think um in terms of um, highlighting them, I think a lot of it comes down to kind of creating a rapport with the students and really okay. getting to know the students that we work with. Um, so we do work through faculties, we do work through uh, kind of university-wide programs, things like that. We work with the societies that um, the university offers. So I think through all of those avenues, um, we're able to kind of... Um, make distinctions and we also have kind of um, Mm -hmm. a career registration survey at the beginning of the year that asks them some questions about um, careers and things like that so we have all that data to kind of support um, our kind of um, programs. Wow that's so great and also I wanted to um, ask how did you um, uh, how was your journey of becoming a careers advisor at Metropolitan and what were the highlights? Um. So I think I mentioned before that I come yes. from a teaching background. Um, so I myself was the first um, was also a first uh, generation student at university when I um, when I did my undergraduate. And I think when I um, studying myself, I was involved with a lot of um, widening participation activity within the um, university that I was working at. I mean, uh, studying at. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. and I think the the staff that I worked with as a student really impacted me. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, one of the reasons I, I've wanted to work in education was to, to then become that role model to those students specifically, wow. um, whether they have role models or they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, it was really important that I was able to have that impact in the same way that those members of staff had for me. So I started off as a teacher um I did that for quite a while, eight years. I've now recently um, come into uh, working at Manchester Metropolitan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, cur- I previously also did um, some widening participation work at the University of Wolverhampton as well. Uh, and I also taught abroad last year. So I've tried to kind of 
vary how I can support students, whether that's here or on the other side of the world. Um, but I think for me, the highlight is that opportunity to be able to give back to those students. Thank you so much, uh, Ruj Anwar, for joining us. And, you know, I hope and pray that you become a role model for even more students um, um, in Thank across you, university. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. So this was Aruj Anwar, who is a careers advisor at Manchester Metropolitan University. You know, it's always great, Israjil, to have um, careers advisors. They're always there to guide you. And as as, you, uh, as Aruj Anwar just also mentioned, that um, she was inspired um, by um, the seniors, um, what's it called, um, careers advisors who were there. And that's why she went into education sector and this is why she wanted to become a role model for the youngsters. And, you know, having people mm. like these around youngsters, they to motivate them and help them out in a, in a positive way to help them choose their careers or just guide them through the, their um, paths. You know, the data they collect at the, at the start of the year, that helps them out. So such a vast obviously, You have so many students there to... Um, you, you won't have a connection with every single student unless you make that effort and you have when you have the, um, these kind of great advisors there to, to who are making that effort yeah. to make a connection um, with every student there finding out okay this is the student he wants he's thinking about this or she's thinking about that mm. she wants to do uh, let's see she wants to become a doctor a pharmacist or uh, some going to agriculture mm. or business administration you can just think of so many careers journalism uh, printing and publishing and uh, what's it called? Um, I mean, uh, you, I mean, it's limitless. If, if, if it's I limitless. if I start list, um, listing um, careers there, I think you'll be here for the whole day, yeah. and then the careers won't finish, but the day, the day will finish. <laughs> you so know, when we were talking about before as well, His Holiness's guidance as well, and uh, when when we say His Holiness, we mean the fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad may Allah be his helper. And on on one occasion, um, he he advised the the youth. Uh, do not waste these golden education educational opportunities, but instead grasp them and seek to achieve excellence in your chosen field of interest, whether whether it is science or other subjects as well. So, His Holiness is telling telling the youngsters as well that whatever you want to excel in, whatever you want to achieve, achieve that, achieve your goals, but you know be the best of that. If you want to be a doctor, be the best doctor. If you want to be an engineer. Be the best of engineers. If you want to be a teacher, be be one of the best teachers as well. So whatever you do, pursue, uh, whatever you want to pursue, excel in in that field uh, as well. Um, let's speak to our next guest uh, who who's on the line with us, John Evans, who's, who's worked as a career coach and uh, outplacement consultant and also uh, started a consulting company which was established in nineteen uh, in 20, 2018. So apologies for that. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, Joe. Well, good afternoon to you and good afternoon to all your listeners. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, what was the reason behind uh, opening your company? Well, I've always been interested in people. I started out life working as a drama teacher. And through that, I noticed that an awful lot of young people weren't sure at all about what they wanted to do in life. So gradually, I became increasingly involved in youth training and also in adult training. And it was in, oh, I remember now, about 1990, when I first took my first position as an outplacement consultant. And as you probably know, that means dealing 
with mass redundancies in various companies throughout the UK. Um, it was a good job. Mm-hmm. I worked hard at it and travelled a lot, but, you know, I became to understand a lot about people's requirements in the world of work. So I have worked in this sort of field for a long time. And when I opened this company up, I wanted to specialise in helping adults who didn't have a direction in life in terms of their careers. And I've had a lot of experience also interviewing people in jobs, and I wanted to do that as well. So now I do interview and career coaching. Well, and you know, John, yes, you just mentioned you provide direction to adults. But how, um, I wanted to ask, but how, um, did you see a, see a change when the pandemic hit and how people's careers um, plan changed over time? Well, to begin with, the people I was uh, coaching mm-hmm. took no notice of what was happening. I know that's an odd thing to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but over the coming weeks, I can remember it well. Um, everything started wow. to change about the way we live, the way we work. And some of my clients then said, I don't feel very safe in the job that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, we can see that the safety net has gone from these sort of careers, uh, out and out retail, uh, stores, shops, selling goods. Mm, you know, they've gone really down a lot these days. So people started thinking about, now, what shall I do mm-hmm. about my next step? Is it safe for me to stay here? But they were more interested at that time in interview techniques. They wanted to gain more confidence in interview techniques, thinking that they would be all right if they took a promotion or acquired promotion in the existing jobs that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think last year in particular, coming to the end of the pandemic, then a much greater interest in career change happened. Yes. And I know, roughly speaking, about 70% of my clients uh, were successful in gaining new opportunities in different industries. Wow. That's that's really good. You know, uh, 70% of uh, of your clients were able to get uh, new uh, ventures for themselves. But also, uh, I wanted to ask... Um, uh, you know, you be, you said you you conduct uh, quite a few many in, in, interviews. And um, how can you advise um, youngsters um, for um, when when they go for the interviews? Um, how they can um, secure a job? What advice would you give them? Okay, yes. right. <laughs> That's a very good question. Young people need to understand, just like adults, that you cannot go for an interview without knowing who you are mm-hmm. and what your worth is. Interesting. That's very interesting. And I did a lot of work in universities on this. You know, when you talk to young people in universities from all sorts of backgrounds, from um, Catholic, Christian, Muslim backgrounds, mm-hmm. and none of them were certain about who they were. Wow. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, this might sound a bit ridiculous to you, but you need, we need, young people need to find a personal brand. Now, okay. just like an organization, it has a brand. Mm-hmm. And we as individuals should perfect this brand. Now, the brand is simply one to two sentences that people can easily understand who you are and what you are for. Okay. 
Now, that sounds difficult, but it isn't. That's what I work with people. Because this has come from, have you ever heard of the elevator pitch? No. Ah, well, it began in America. Elevator, you know, a lift, we call it a lift. Yes, elevator, that's correct. We call it So it was when people used to introduce themselves. Can you imagine, you know, multinational kind of company and the lift goes up and down and they used to say to the people of the person right next to them about Mm -hmm. who they were. And it could be as simple as this. I'm a retail manager who delivers exceptional services to my customers. Now, there's, there's a very simple brand. Now, if you said that to an interviewer, that interviewer knows exactly what you're offering. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get to be an adult and you go to more uh, higher up jobs, for instance, somebody might say, I'm an operations director, t- director who delivers critical improvements which transform the performance of precision engineering, automotive engineering, so forth. So that, that's what a brand is. And, you know, I don't know if you looked at me in terms of my LinkedIn, no. I'll try and remember what I put. I, I did search for a bit, but I just remember that right now. When yeah, I said I help clients excel at interview performance and achieve clarity and direction in their career path. Wow. Now, you'll never forget that about me now. Now, that's what young people need to cultivate. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do with young people and adults as well. I try and help them find this brand, which will make a difference to them. Okay, so it's like having a brand and being able to sell that brand to the interviewers. Yes, this is me, this is what I do, and this is what I want to do. It's like you're selling yourself to them, what's called your brand. Exactly. And also, if you possibly can when you're young, you search for anything that you've accomplished. Okay, that's great. That's you know, that's that's quite interesting. You know, John, uh, finding this out that for youngsters, or how they should um, go to, um, around and and be able to do their interviews. And John, you know, um, you've been uh, um, working for such a, a vast long time. Any incidents or experience you want to share to our listeners, um, how they can do better of, of in um, finding new careers for themselves, um, if they're searching for one. Okay. Yes. Well, what what I'll say is this. This is not a known fact amongst many people, young and older. Mm -hmm. When we're looking at the job market, however small it is, and we know it's shrunk now, and and one of the reasons for that is that three and a half million people have decided to opt out completely. They've gone into retirement, can't be bothered. Well, That's a lot. You've also got over a million people who are absolutely not working for paid employment, but they're looking after uh, people, they're carers. So to young people, especially I'd say, the market out there is twofold. Mm-hmm. One part is the advertised part, the advertised job market. You'll see the jobs advertised. Yes. But there's another bigger market called the hidden job market. Okay. Now you've got to look at it like this. Imagine there's an iceberg floating on the sea. Correct. What you see at the top is the advertised bit. You can see it. Yes, that's interesting. Under the sea is the hidden market. You can't see it. So what does that mean? That means that approximately 
60 to 70% of jobs that get, never get anywhere near an advert. Wow. So why is it, therefore, that the remaining 30 to 40 percentage, a lot smaller anyway, why is it that people target that market only? Then mm-hmm. they become heavily in competition. Okay. Now, the other market, yes, it takes dedication. And what that means, you and I know, what well, I do, especially if you go back sometime, you were able to go to an employer and you said in a very uncouth way, give us a job. <laughs> do you remember? Give us a job. <laughs> now, you don't do it that way, but the principle is the same. Out there now, and I work a lot in the greater Manchester area, mm-hmm. there will be employers who will say to themselves, ah, Mary is leaving. What do we need to do? Do we need to recruit to replace her or can we manage without her? Now, if they decide they need somebody to replace her, do you know, do your listeners know that a lot of companies actually approach their employees and they say, if you can find us somebody Mm -hmm. to replace Mary and we take that person on, we will reward you by paying you £5,000. Marks and Spencer does this. MBNA does this. Many organizations do it. Now, you won't know that that goes on. You probably never know that M&S was looking for somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's the hidden market. Wow. Now, also, you must. Now, this is where branding comes in for young people. Sorry, John, I do apologize. We're reaching the last one minute marker now. Um, if anything you want to say to the audience, just in the next 30 seconds, if possible. Yes, very quickly, to all young people, be aware of your social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you've got. Look carefully at it, because that's how employers look at you, and recruiters the same. Perfect. Then I thank you so much, John Evans, for joining us today and you know enlightening our listeners, young listeners and our older listeners also, for finding new careers path for themselves. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome and thank you for having me. Thank you. So this was John Evans and what a great way of ending today's first show, a first hour of today's show regarding careers. And for the youngsters out there, make sure you look out for that hidden 70% of jobs which are out there and, you know, and create create a brand for yourself that when you go for your interview, you say, yes, this is my brand and this is what I'm here to give to you. And join us again after the five o'clock news. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, in this part of the show, we are talking about or going into our next topic, which is religion. Do we actually do we actually need it? Uh, it's a very you know it's a, it's a very big question, and it will take us some time to actually go through this as well. But uh, in the time that we have, the limited time that we have, we're going to try and speak about this as much as we can. Yeah, we, and we'll try to obviously do. 
justice to this question of you know, religion do we need it and obviously being voice of islam our, our answer obviously to that is yes hmm. religion is a must to be um, able to function in society and hmm. being able to guide others also towards a right path and because the religion is the your um, teachings which are helping you and guide um, the society Guiding towards you. the betterment yeah. and obviously and having a connection with Allah the Almighty and how to have a, a connection with the one who has created everything for us absolutely so that's why in, in our opinion in, this, these are just, just one line as quickly obviously and they are such a vast but topic to go actually into it to delve deeper to dive into deeper it. into yes we do read religion but it's always interesting to find mm. our listeners answers um, if they're um, if they are to- totally opposite to our uh, do we need religion they, there might be someone saying no uh, we'll be interested to know about it and you can obviously um, join us uh, over our social media handles on Voice of Islam UK you can call us on 0208 um, 687878 and let us know your um, um, thought regarding do we actually read, um, need religion and we'll be whole, um, happy to you know um, listen to our, what our listeners have to say and obviously we have um, Shajil Sab, uh, Shajil um, <laughs> with us and obviously and wanted to ask Shajil what do you think do we need religion it's, you know, like you mentioned you, like you mentioned these uh, I mean th- I mean the simple answer is yes, yes. of course we do <laughs> I mean the long answer the detailed answer is uh, of course you know we, we see that where, if God Almighty created everything right if he created everything he didn't just create it just because of that he didn't mm-hmm. just create it for, for no purpose obviously creation has a purpose and uh, that purpose has actually been mentioned by God Almighty in the Holy Quran as well, which is so that we may worship him, so that we may recognize him, so that whatever we do, God Almighty becomes pleased with our actions as well. So if we have this you know, purpose in mind, the reason for our creation is to worship God Almighty, mm-hmm. he has also given us that means to do that. He's given us the, the way to do that. Correct. And the way he's given us uh, that guidance is through religion. It's through, you know, we see different religions came, different prophets came who taught different religions, different, uh, different ways of, uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of praying to God, mm-hmm. different ways of worshipping God, fulfilling his commandments. And as time progressed, because, you know, we, we must understand that each region, each tribe, each people each, in each different time, right, they, they had specific needs. One you know, in one uh, or, or one nation living in one time may have different needs to, to, to another nation living in a different place, you know, uh, two or three centuries later, you know, or 10 centuries later, whatever. Now, th- you know, a thousand years later, people, you know, people progressed. A thousand more years later, people progressed even more. Mm-hmm. So when mankind reached its sort of, its, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the highest it could achieve, um, it actually, you know, God Almighty sent uh, that holy prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to actually tell the people that you know you have the capacity, you have the capability of achieving this high rank, um, you know, of uh, of achieving this high rank of God, you know, of, of of holiness. You can do that by treading on this path. So you do that, and that is the way of Islam. You know, each religion, each religion has taught us how to how to achieve God, but Islam is that sort of Islam is that path which is the easiest and the quickest way to achieve God Almighty and once you achieve God you can actually achieve a very high standard 
of uh, of uh, of closeness and nearness to God Almighty as well. You know, also you know, um, as was mentioned, you know, for people to believe in something um, allows them to do good also, right? Yeah. Because they know yeah. there yeah. are um, uh, good germs, called um, good morals and bad morals, good, good morals good and conduct. bad morals, yeah. uh, good conduct out there. Yeah. So it helps us. Okay, if I do this action and has a reaction to it, also an action yeah. has a reaction. Yeah. Yeah. If you do good, you will be rewarded in the hereafter. And these are things um, which helps a true believe someone become a true believer. Obviously, um, good and bad is out there, right? Mm. Someone can be good without doing big without being a believer, mm. right? You can be a, be a, you have, you might you, you will have good morals, and there might be someone out there who uh, he has a religion, but he might be doing. Um, bad um, mm. morals, bad things. Yeah, but, but to become a true believer, you have. You have two um, works to do. One is mm. to serve Allah the Almighty, and then serve the creation of Allah the Almighty. Yeah. So if you do both of them, and the, the third is then you become a, a true believer, a true moment, mm. we, as we say. Absolutely. No, no, no. It's true because without this guidance, yes. you know, you wouldn't know what to do. You know, you wouldn't know what to do. It's it's as if you know the you know you have you open up. Uh, you know, you open up a, a gateway, or pathway. A gateway, a pathway. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that once you tread on that pathway, then you understand that you know this is a good thing that I should be doing. This is a commandment that I should follow. This is a commandment which is telling me to stop this bad thing as well, this evil thing as well. And like I mentioned before, the Holy Quran, there were some things which were which were permissible, which were allowed, and they weren't considered um, evils as such or mm-hmm. sins as such. But when the Holy Quran came. Because mankind was able to achieve that pinnacle, right? Then Allah the Almighty said, you know, okay, now is the time where I'm going to send the the best of commandments. You know, all the good commandments which previous prophets um, taught there and taught those people. If they were apl- applicable at this time until the end of time, Allah the Almighty sent those commandments through the through the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. For religion, right? With, oh, um, what was for me the thing which brought me even closer to religion right. um, was you know being able to f- uh, someone be able to guide me R- when you have my, um, mm. th- when I went to mosque and the imam there was telling me okay this is the teachings of the holy quran this is the commandment of Allah the almighty mm. these are the teachings and yeah I was sitting there I was like okay wow these are new things I'm learning mm. and this made me more interested into, into becoming um, more um, religious finding out why What's the need? What, what was the essentially, need? what's the need? What's Why the was purpose the for? Yeah. What was the purpose? Because I was young, mm. I was still um, looking careers path and thinking mm. about what should I be doing, and then sitting there listening to the sermon, or obviously His Holiness sermon, mm. and I was like, okay, there's there's another whole world out there to explore, mm. but and this made me become more interested in the teachings of religion. You know, just remind me uh, this uh, a little bit later on as well, because yes. uh, there's something that, you know, um, related to the first topic and this topic as well. But let's speak to our guest first, and then we'll talk about a little bit more about that after as well. Let's speak to Farooq Tahir, who's an, who's, a, who's an imam, a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community serving in Canada. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to the show. Wa alaikum salam, peace be upon you as well. Jazakallah for having me. Jazakallah, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, as well. Um, talking about moral values, are there any moral values that are considered universal? So uh, that's a really important question. And often um, theists and atheists debate about this very thing, mm. whether we as humans consider certain actions good or evil universally, right, naturally as human beings. Mm. 
And so, and if so, if we do consider such good, you know, certain things good or evil, then what is the need for God and what is the need for religion? So, firstly, we have to realize that even if we as humans can identify certain moral values or feel repulsed at something evil, that faculty has been placed within us by God. And it is in, from the Holy Quran that we derive this belief because God Almighty says in the Holy Quran that He has created humans with a nature that is good. Mm. And what this means is that human beings naturally have a tendency or potential to do good. So as humans, we naturally have a tendency to go toward good and, and an aversion from evil. And for the most part, sins are committed out of our natural weaknesses as humans. For example, forgetfulness or fatigue. But as far as discerning whether there are any specific morals that are universal to humans, um, I think one way to look at this would be to look at human instinct. For example, humans are instinctive to look out for themselves and look out for their families and protect them. And this moral value, if you were to call it, is derived from an even more basic instinct of self-preservation. Hmm. So this could be considered universal amongst human beings. When a human being steps up to protect themselves or their families, uh, and in many ways, such a value is valiant and it's commendable. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing and it's commendable. But because it's something we do instinctively and not purely out of understanding its importance, I wouldn't say that it is not worthy of merit at all because when you do something good, after understanding it and after understanding its implications, that's when it becomes meritorious. But this level of cognizance and, and understanding of, of protecting yourself, protecting your family, it's a very, very basic level of good within us human beings. And a higher level beyond this is required and um, necessary to develop in order for it to become a true moral value. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, um, talking in just elaborate, elaborating a little bit more in regards to, in regards to this as well, um, talking about how people differentiate between right and wrong. Are people instinctively able, though, to differentiate between right and wrong? And if they are, what, to what extent can they do that? So, um, I'm glad you brought that up. So there's this very interesting explanation to this given by the promised Messiah and founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza, Ghulam Ahmad, peace be on him. And he explains this very beautifully, and he says that when we commit a sin or an act of evil, our soul cries out against our action, so to speak. Like, we feel this sense of uneasiness within us at our core. And this is why you'll notice that whenever you're about to do something wrong, and you can try this out for yourselves, when you're about to do something wrong, your heart feels uneasy about it. And there's a sense of hesitation, like you don't want to go through with what you're about to do, because your soul recognizes that it's not right. Hmm. Now, this hesitation or warning against sin is in us all. But the promised Messiah, peace be on him, he says that by inhibiting it over and over and by ignoring it, we eventually silence it to the point that we stop feeling uneasy. We, we silence that voice in our hands, heads and any remorse that we feel after committing something wrong is gone. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, if we listen to that voice inside our head, then we become more resilient to sin and evil and become a better person over time. But this is, as described by the promised Messiah, peace be on him, it's not merely something instinctive. 
right? It's not something that I was, I was speaking about before. It's not something that we have as human beings instinctively, but it is a spiritual faculty that, that, that God has bestowed to us within our souls. Now, just having the ability to differentiate between good and evil isn't enough to actually become good or evil, right? And that is where religion comes in because it cultivates that very basic goodness that's within us all, right? Now, some may ask, how do we know that? How do we know that despite having this natural tendency to do good, how do we know that religion actually cultivates those true moral values within us? So mm. for that, we've got to look at the prophets, right? The people who are known especially for their moral values, if you look at any prophet throughout human history, they were distinguished by one thing above all others, and that was their exceptional moral character. And it was their faith that allowed them to attain such a high level in their moral character. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Islam specifically, you can, see the, you can see the depth with which God desires for us to enhance our morals. And I'll just quickly present a verse of the Holy Quran that highlights how, we, how Islam develops that goodness within us. So in the Holy Quran, God states, In Allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita izal qurba. And, and these are basically the three stages of goodness. And this first means that Allah enjoins goodness, uh, mm-hmm. Allah enjoins justice, and the doing of good to others, and giving like kindred. So the first stage means reciprocating the goodness you receive from others. If somebody does something good for you, you do the same for them. That's the first stage of developing your morals. The second stage is giving a little bit more than what you receive from others. So if somebody did something good for you, you do something even better for them in return. And the third and highest stage of, of, of developing our morals is, is giving unconditionally like kindred or like a mother gives to her child unconditionally. So if we apply this philosophy to any act of kindness, at the first stage, you can treat others with the same kindness that they treat you. At the second stage, you treat somebody with even greater kindness. Mm-hmm. If somebody shows you kindness, you show them even greater kindness. So this is Islam developing your, mor- your moral value of kindness. And at the third and highest stage, no matter whether somebody is kind to you or not, right, you are kind unconditionally. And of course, the thinking and soul motivation behind this is that you're seeking the pleasure of Allah, you're seeking the pleasure of God. So if you're thinking like this, then you're doing what God wants you to do. And these values, they can't be based on instincts alone or mm-hmm. human laws that we have made ourselves, but have to be sourced from divine teaching. Correct. You know, um, Imam Farouk, I would uh, want to know also, you know, uh, as you're a missionary of the Emily Muslim community, uh, how has Islam impacted you personally in your moral values and any incident you want to um, narrate to our listeners? Yeah, so... You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not so much about being a missionary as it is just about being an Ahmadi Muslim. Because as Muslims, we're taught a very unique prayer. Every day we pray five times a day. And in, that, and in, in those five daily prayers, we make this specific prayer over and over. And we say, We're asking God to guide us to the right path. Correct. And so one of the most beautiful elaborations of this verse has been given by the Promised Messiah, peace be on him who states that every action that we do has a right path to it. Every action, whether it's, it's, a, it's a moral value, whether it's a good deed, it has a, uh, a way that to, to do it that is the best way to, to complete that task. And 
there are many factors that come into play when you're doing a good deed. For instance, the time and place and the degree to which we demonstrate a moral value, it, it, it's all implicated within this. So, for example, generosity is a moral value. But when mm-hmm. shown at the wrong time or place or to, agree, uh, uh, or to a degree that is either too much or not enough, right, it doesn't remain a moral value anymore. And to understand this a little better, the Promised Messiah Islam explains, peace be upon him, he explains that anger is something that we look, we don't really look up to, right? We look down upon anger. Mm-hmm. But even anger, when expressed at the appropriate time and place and to an appropriate degree, becomes a moral value. Correct. So especially in terms, so, so going back to what you were saying, especially in terms of my moral character, this prayer and this mentality that I've only gained from Islam makes me extra cautious and cognizant of my actions and makes me think before I do anything, not only about what the right thing to do is, but is it the right time to do that thing? Is it the best time to do that thing? Mm-hmm. And what is the best way for me to do that thing? And that's really helped me improve a lot in terms of my moral values. for joining us today. And you know, it was quite interesting to find, to learn new things. And I hope our listeners have learned um, new um, um, things from um, today's um, um, show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, when Imam, Tahir, uh, Imam Farooq Tahir just mentioned, you know, regarding hesitation, you mm. have that hesitation in you before mm. you're doing something. Something bad. See, for example, for example, let's say, bunking a lesson, right? Just <laughs> skipping a lesson or something. Yeah, yeah. You have that uh, feeling in your heart saying, oh, ha- right. I have done something, right? Yeah. But you're like, you know yourself. You, you know, know yourself. You know yourself, you know yourself but something. you're there. You're in that uh, crowd of people mm. that's like, no, it's fine. But that's the thing I always tell our youngsters also, right? Uh, be uh, be the leader and uh, not be the follower. Don't so you sheep. should be reading, yeah. yeah. To be uh, be able to lead them towards the right path. Ehdina Surat Mustaqim, right? That's mm. on the right path. That's when, you know, we should always be reciting, A'uz Billahi Min Shaitan Rajim, that in, in the name of, uh, I seek refuge in Allah from Satan, the accursed. That Absolutely. that Satan shouldn't be um, taking us or deviating us from the right path, which is Ehdina Surat Mustaqim. That's how, you know, when we pray five times a day mm. and we, we ask Allah for His um, help because we, when we say we pray to Him and we ask for His help and then we say guide us on the right path and, and Allah the Almighty will help us guide us but we have to be sincere towards Allah the Almighty also Absolutely. if you're just there standing up okay just um, I'm just saying okay, uh, in your difficult times we are always you know, more closer to God also at that time. When you when we're facing difficulties, someone's facing difficulty, they're always um there asking Allah for help. Allah is there to help him because he's mm. he's merciful. Mm. But uh, when you're in your happy times when you have everything Allah has provided you with he's mm. his Razik, like he's the provider. He provides everything for you. And at that time you should be thankful to Allah the Almighty. And this is you that's this is why we need religion. This is why um, religion has been created by the Almighty to guide us towards the right path and the path uh, and why we have been created and the purpose of creation is that we are here to worship Allah the Almighty and these uh, and Allah, Allah hasn't asked anything else yes okay pray and and be thankful yeah and, th- and what, what we do is you know we if Allah uh, we deviate ourselves right that's why Allah has given us the tools for it also Ibn Sarat Mustaqim guides us on the right path. Like we are asking, and Allah the Almighty will help us 
but we have to be sincere and, and there's a narration of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings mm-hmm. will be upon him that if you um, take one step towards Allah the Almighty Allah takes two steps to you it's, 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 and when you walk towards him and he he runs towards you just mm-hmm. quickly mentioning mm-hmm. um, in par- paraphrasing it quickly yeah. and you know which, which shows uh, stand up be um, take the first step towards him and Allah will come towards you and be sincere and it, it all links remember of to uh, that's why I always say it links to willpower every single time it's the sincerity and the regularity you be as human beings have to put in ourselves because obviously we are weak right the willpower is very very much uh, important as well and correct just like you mentioned it's something which uh, which makes your intentions pure and good as well isn't correct it? and uh, with with good intentions with that willpower then you are able to do you know those those good things as well you know, we mentioned about the Holy Quran as well and how in the beginning of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has given us or <coughs> taught us this prayer that guide us to the right path. We're praying to God to guide us to the right path. And uh, that path has, uh, you know, uh, that, that path upon whom thou hast bestowed thy blessings. And those blessings were, you know, were given to those people who were the prophets. They were they, 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 they were the most truthful. They were the martyrs and, know, the pious. and, and, and the pious people as well. So these are the categories as well, and when we when we talk about when we talk about the, the the guidance which has been given us in the form of the Holy Quran, the opening of the Holy Quran, you know, Allah the Almighty has given us this prayer. Right in the beginning of the next chapter, He has told us that you know this is a book, you know there is, you know there's there's no doubt in this book, and mm-hmm. it is a guidance for the righteous. So if you want to become a righteous person, if you want to achieve the goal that you know, w- 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 which is the act, which is the ultimate goal, the goal of you know attaining that nearness with God, that that closeness to God, and make Him be happy with you, make Him be pleased with you. Then you know we must read the Holy Quran, look at the Holy Quran, what God Almighty has told us, all the commandments which I mentioned mm-hmm. over there, the do's and don'ts, and act upon that. And if we do that, then we can actually become righteous as well. You know, um, I just remember His Holiness mentioned this once. I'm just paraphrasing here. Yeah. This, these are almost not Hazul's exact words. Yeah, His Holiness exact, exact words. Yeah. Um, someone asked him, and regarding this, Hazul said, regarding how to over, over, overcome your weaknesses, right? Mm. The Hazus, uh, His Holiness said, you can wake up someone who is asleep, mm. but you cannot wake up someone who's already awake, mm. right? So if you're sleeping, you can still tell him, okay, wake up, follow this and you need this and you need this is how you overcome your weaknesses but someone's already awake hmm. so that's, that's that's the hardest point there when someone's saying that, no, I already know everything I know I have everything yeah. Yeah. I have it and when the I think comes when in that, right, when the I think comes I in comes the in, arrogance right, comes in, arrogance comes in. Yeah. That, that, that splits us apart yeah that's that's the problem that's the problem let's uh, we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit more about this later on as well but let's speak to let's speak to our next guest uh, before that Salmad Naveed who is also a missionary and imam of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community serving in uh, in Canada uh, also assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and welcome to the show wa alaikum salam thank you Allah, for having me thank you so much for for joining us now if a person can do good without believing in god almighty then what is the purpose of uh, of religion? So you know, no one is born intrinsically bad, right? Where no one is born a liar or a thief or a sinner. Hmm. We're all born good. Ultimately, what ends up happening is, uh, you know, our surroundings, our atmosphere that we we grow up in, that sort of subdue those natural good qualities that we have, um, and then that might lead one to not do good. 
But coming to the question of whether we need God, whether we need religion in order to do good, if it seems as if anyone can do good. Hmm. Let me give you an analogy of uh, something as simple as a couch or a sofa. That You go to a furniture store, you're going to buy a couch, and you're going to bring it home in a box. Now, you can lay out all the materials of the, uh, of the couch out onto the floor. You'll have the seats, you'll have the armrests, and whatever uh, metal structure that you have. You can lay it all out on the floor. You have the components of a couch. You could technically say the couch is right there in front of you. But it won't be considered a couch until you put it together. Hmm. Until you've put the right materials in the right place and use the right tools at the right time. So, in similar fashion, we as human beings are able to naturally display good qualities. We have those materials, we have those foundations within us. God says actually in the Holy Quran, if we come to the Islamic perspective, that we have all been created with intrinsically good qualities. God says that he revealed to uh, humankind as we were being created the intrinsic you know, nature of understanding what is good and what is bad. You know, we all have that sort of inner conscience within us that will sort of tell us, you know, okay, this seems good and this seems bad. No matter what faction of society we may be in, you know, there's an interesting story uh, that the first caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be pleased with him, he narrates that once he was speaking to a thief, and he asked the thief, you know, you, you have these elaborate schemes and you, you go about these elaborate heists, how do you do it? And he was explaining it all. And, and then he said, you know, when we get the wealth, we give it to a goldsmith, and uh, we have him melt it down so no one can recognize what we've stolen. The first caliph asked him, he said, well, how do you know that you're getting all the wealth back after you give it to the goldsmith? What if he keeps some to the side for himself? And the thief said, oh, we would beat him. If he stole from us, we would beat him. And the first caliph said, you know, it's interesting, although it is a bit of a deluded, you know, outlook. But even he had some, somewhere in him, even he had some sort of understanding of what is good and what is bad. So we have these natural qualities within us, right, to discern what is good and what is bad and to display good qualities. But it's interesting, A.J. Balfour, who is the former prime minister of the United Kingdom, uh, he's also regarded by many to be a philosopher. He said that, you know, if you look around and you find within everyone these natural good qualities, you have to wonder where did they come from? Mm-hmm. And upon reflection, you realize that if everyone has these qualities and these abilities within them, then it only makes sense that there's a higher being who's instilled these qualities within every single human being. So now, let's go back to that couch analogy. We have all the materials laid out in front of us. In order to put it together, you're going to go to the instructions that have, given to, that have been given to you by the manufacturer. The place that you got those different uh, elements from in order to put that couch together. You're going to go to the manufacturer for those instructions. So if we have also been given the ability to display good qualities and we have good qualities within us, in order to put them together in order to be a moral person and a good person, we have to go back to the manufacturer's manual, the manual on life that we've been given, which is the Holy Quran, the revealed Word of God. Because you can have good qualities, But if you display them at the wrong time, they don't remain good. For example, forgiveness will be considered a good quality, to be forgiving to others. But if you forgive at an inopportune time, where forgiveness leads to more harm and more hurt, then at that moment in time, 
forgiveness wouldn't be warranted. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be considered a good quality. So merely possessing good qualities isn't enough to be wholly and entirely good. To be good, to be moral, means taking those good qualities that we've been born with and putting them in the right place and using them in the right place and at the right time. And in order to discern how to do that, in order to learn how to do that, that's where religion comes in. That's where God, uh, belief in God and turning to God and His revealed Word comes in so that we can take those natural good qualities that we have and put them together in order to be good and moral people. So, um, Imam um, Sayyid Mandavid, I wanted to ask, you know, as we know, Christianity and Islam are two major world religions where in the Holy Bible it, it says, love thy neighbor. And there's a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. An Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab. These are some similarities we can see there. But are there any um, differences in moral, moral teachings between Islam and Christianity also? You know, I think it's important to first uh, understand, even within Islam, belief in all the books of the prophets that have been given to the teachings that have been given to the previous prophets before the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him is a part of our faith Mm -hmm. and so we believe in you know you're talking about christianity but we look at the major religions the uh, judaism christianity islam we believe in the torah as it was as it was revealed to moses peace be upon him we believe in the gospels you know as uh you know in their original form we believe in these things Mm-hmm. And these teachings of the Torah and of the Gospels, these are teachings which were for that time, for that specific period in time. Correct. And then came along the Holy Quran, revealed to the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And the Holy Quran took all of those teachings which may have been specific to that specific time or to specific people, and took the best of those teachings and made them so that they applied to the entire world universally for all times to come. And let me give you an example. Let's, I, I mentioned uh, in, in my answer to the previous question about forgiveness. Well, mm-hmm. let's take that example from uh, in light of uh, the, the three major religions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam. If we look at the Torah, the Torah says that an eye for, teaches an eye for an eye. Yes. Right? If, you have been, if you have been injured, then you inflict the same injury back. Uh, to the person who has inflicted that injury. When we turn to the New Testament, we find the teaching of turn the other cheek. It's a, it's a, it's a message of, it's a teaching of complete forgiveness in any and all circumstances. So now, whereas these teachings may have been applicable at that time, mm-hmm. we turn now to Islam and the Holy Quran, teachings which are you know, in line and conform with human nature. And so what are the teachings of Islam when it comes to forgiveness? Well, in the Holy Quran, in chapter, uh, in chapter 42, God says that the recompense of an injury is the like thereof. So, similar to the teaching of the Torah. But then, God Almighty says, but if someone forgives, and as a result of that forgiveness, it brings about reformation, then God likes that even better, and the reward of that person will, will be with God. Mm-hmm. And God does not like those who are unjust and who do wrong. So we see that we've taken, uh, the Holy Quran has taken both of those teachings and presented it as a beautiful teaching that can not only apply to a single time, a single people, but can apply to all times and all people. Where if there's a circumstance which calls for, you know, there to be some sort of retaliation, only the like of what the in- injury inflicted was, if that is going to lead to reformation, then that is what that moment calls for. But 
if that moment calls for forgiveness, and that is what is going to lead to the reformation of the person, then that is more pleasing to God. So in this way, this is a teaching which conforms to all people of all times and is a, and is a universal teaching. That's interesting. And, you know, I've, I've also asked a previous guest this same question that I wanted to ask and find out from you also. And how has that Islam personally impacted you and your moral values? I'm quite interested to know about that. You know, I think it goes back to um, when when we were speaking about uh, the, how why it's necessary to believe in God yes. or to have religion in order to do good. For me, if we're if personally speaking, I find Islam to be well. Number one, the direct line for me to recognize God. It mm-hmm. gives me all the tools. It gives me the framework within which I can actually truly find God, and not just a God who should exist, but it gives me the tools and it gives me the freedom to explore God and find Him for myself in a manner to where I know for certain God exists because I've experienced God. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like Islam is something that enables me within that framework to not only recognize God, to experience God, but then as a result, walk throughout my life with the understanding that God is there. And of course, there is formal prayer, as we have in Islam, with the five daily prayers. Correct. But then in every turn, wherever you turn, you know, Islam teaches that wherever you turn, God is there. You can see God in every, uh, every aspect of the world, everywhere you turn. And I feel like the beauty in that is that whereas, as a human being, I want to do good to my fellow human beings. Mm-hmm. But, when that, but when that doing of good comes from a place of, I want to do it for the sake of God then it becomes more than just doing good to your fellow beings. It becomes an act of service to God, and it becomes an act of service to His creation. And, I, and it, it's, it's Islam that sort guides me, and Islam that teaches me these avenues mm-hmm. of this overarching being, which is God, the one and only, the true God. And in service to Him, and in worship of Him, you must also serve His creation. And... I feel like it's that aspect which then enables me not only to be, at least strive to be, as much as I possibly can, to be a good person, but at the same time it enables me to become closer to God. And I feel like this is a beauty of Islam, which I can walk with every single day of my life. Zakla Imam Sermonides, for joining us and enlightening our listeners with the wisdom and sharing your thoughts with them. Thank you so much for joining us today. Zakla. So that was, you know, also uh, very, very interesting, very insightful uh, as well, listening to uh, Imam Sermon Naveed uh, all the way from Canada over there as well, telling us, you know, his personal experience as well. You know, um, the one thing which uh, which struck out to me was yeah. when he mentioned regarding morals and how to, um, to use them. That's At the how, right time. At the exactly. right time. This is why we need religion. This is why we need God for that, hmm. to help us. And, you know, in terms of, there is, yeah. as we all know, that there is no compulsion in religion, mm. like Rafidin, right? Mm-hmm. That there, religion is there to help us. It's not there to impose um, boundaries. It's mm. there to help us flourish in such a manner that we help our creation. We help and, and we pray towards the Creator who has created everything for us and the purpose we were created for, and which is um, um, that we pray towards Allah the Almighty. You know, if you look at any sort of organization, right? If you 
if you go to school, there's rules there. Yes. If you, you know, if you use, even if you, you know, go on the road and you're driving your car, there's, there's, there's a, you know, there's a whole rules and regulations how you should drive the car. What's the law? What's the not? What's not the law? Where you can park, where you can't park. Every single organization, if you, if you join a community, there's laws and regulations and rules uh, over there that you need to abide by. So if you're following a religion, definitely, you know, there, there needs to be a law in order as well. There needs to be commandments. And if you follow those commandments, God Almighty will bless you as well. And if you don't follow those commandments, you know, God Almighty, he, he, if he wants to, he can punish you. Um, but the thing to understand is that when we do something in accordance to what God Almighty wants us to do, that is when we can excel. And that is when we that is when we do excel. But when we do something which might be immoral, uh, which might be a good thing at the wrong time, as you know, as our guest spoke about as well, that can be considered a bad thing as well. And the example which he gave very beautifully from the from the Torah, from the from the Injil, from the you know, from the Gospels, and the you know the the, the way that the Holy Quran combined those teachings, but put it presented it in a new fashion, in a new way, which is applicable for 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 all times for a universal and universal uh, teaching so beautiful yes. but also it should be you know borne in mind as well it should be understood that when we look at governments right when we look at you know a world government or when we look at state governments or whatever their laws are always changing yes according to the time according to the need according to the demographic according to the you know the the population they they keep on changing their rules every now and then they keep on changing their rules they have amendments they have additional things which they add on which they take away mm-hmm. and there's, there's there's never a set rule which is applicable for for all times there's only one rule and but th- those are the rules which have been mentioned in the holy quran they since they were revealed to the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him until the end of time they are universal. They are for every time. They are for every single people, every single time, every single nation, and they can be applied to until the end of time as well. And pick out even one small example; that it, it will be the same case. Uh, isn't it? That's Ajil, You know, when we started off today's show, yeah. And do we need religion? It is such a vast topic which is unable we are unable to cover in one hour. But you know, what what fascinates me with with my own experience regarding this that do we need religion and when I was young, I mm. I didn't know the proper answer, right? Mm. That's why when, when I mentioned before, then when, when listening to the Imam and listening to holiness, that it, it intrigued me. Mm. Okay, then then that that helped me um, bec- um go into uh, my uh, aspect of career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To my exactly. first show, so becoming a missionary because I was intrigued with Allah the Almighty has created for us mm. and being able to preach that same message out there to. Our youngsters, our elders, our, and my age, my age demographic also, to tell them, oh, yes, there is a God who is all hearing, all listening, and all seeing. Mm. He knows everything what's happening. He has given us, but what we, and He asks for, from us is to pray towards Him that we worship Him. And we shouldn't be worshiping anything else besides mm. Allah the exactly. Almighty, that exactly. we shouldn't associate a partner with Him. These um, things, you know, when I was young and in, in, in my studies in GCSE level, mm. and I had friends, we, we never talked about religion. And that's why I slowly, you know, even thought, okay, we don't need religion because if I get my education, if I get that, and all this lines up and my career is all set, I want to go into finance. But things happened, 
and there were good things and I suddenly became interested into into that path because mm. Allah the Almighty is the best planner right well, yeah. I don't know how they all linked up the puzzle all small pieces fit together yeah. and when I was in year 11 I think I gave in my admission form on the last day to go into modern language and theology mm. and I just gave it in and say let's see what happens and obviously seven years down the line I'm here sitting here today <laughs> Alhamdulillah by, Allah, by, the, by, the, by the grace of Allah the Almighty but for me at that time when I joined Jamia this is where my career um, where my learning curve started do we need religion and studying about it being able to understand what religion is it's 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 a way of life I think I've mentioned this it's a way of life yeah, yeah exactly I've, I've mentioned this in, uh, for most of the shows now that that Islam has provided you a, a way of living a way of functioning in a society mm. it's not a religion it's not a, like um, um, barricading you but it's making you flourish with rules and regulation Absolutely. that you flourish in the best manner to help um, your creation the um the um the hukukulibat mm. that you help the people around you and obviously that there's another aspect of it that you um fulfill the best of god as well fulfill the um, um rules of Allah the almighty mm. but you know, and these are things which every, every day if you leave um let's say for example let's leave um Allah the almighty put it to one side but everyone is trying to do fulfill the rights of human beings right we try okay if i'm working with someone i'll try my best to do my ex work quickly okay so because um so to my boss boss this is all done and yes oh, he's like well done good and we leave um our thing aside who has provided it hmm. but if you get and uh, that link also attached to it you have both links um, together and you will flourish even more because you're thanking the one who has made everything possible for you because there is no I I mean there. one can't flourish without the other isn't it That's one correct. can't flourish without the other and because there's no I, I it there's was no my I, education yeah. it was my thinking it was my this my that but it was to Allah's grace he help, helped us and he helped us guide us and that's why when we pray to him five times today we ask him for Hidina Sirat al-Mustaqim guide us on the right path you're the one we're praying to and you're the one we're asking for help and Allah the Almighty listens he's he all listening as well. and then he provides and he's because he's uh, Razik he's the provider I mean it's very very eloquently uh, put there uh, put this as well um, uh, it's very interesting I mean this topic is so vast that whichever avenue that we look Correct. at it's you know it's, it's, it's such a deep ocean that we can't even comprehend it but let's speak to our next guest who's on the line with us as well Samila Ahmed who is a U- Ahmadi Muslim University student Uh, who is studying sociology and also serving in the uh, Muslim television Ahmadiyya uh, in Canada. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining us this, uh, this afternoon. Now, growing up, did you ever think that Islam was uh, maybe too strict? Uh, growing up, I didn't think that Islam was too strict. And that's probably because I was raised in a family that encouraged Islamic morals and values in a very loving and encouraging way. Mm. And I was also surrounded by, alhamdulillah, very active jamaat, so I had a lot of support in regards to that. However, when I got to my first year of university, I met so many different people in my classes, mm. and a good majority of these people identified as either atheist or agnostic, so they weren't religious at all. And um, during a debate in a philosophy class that I took, a girl asked me if I wear the hijab just because I was forced to or because I wanted to. 
And she mentioned that a lot of people tend to wear it because they're forced into it. And so she sees religion as oppressive. And I looked around the room and I saw so many people nodding their heads, agreeing with her, saying they too left religion for the same reason of it being too restricting. Mm. And I think that was the first time that it really struck me that there were so many people who were completely against religion because of how strict they thought it was. And it led many of them to leave their religions behind as well. So although I personally didn't think that religion was strict, um, Islam specifically, I can definitely understand how our upbringing and the lack of knowledge on religion or Islam can have an impact on how strict we perceive it to be. Very, you know, very inspiring there as well. Um, was there so? W- w- could you say that this was sort of the the turning point on your life, or was there something else that happened in your life that that maybe changed your perspective and you started to appreciate Islam more? Um, I definitely think that was um, a turning point for me in my first year after meeting all of these people from other religious backgrounds and especially people who weren't religious at all. I think that just made me want to go do my own research and understand why I practice Islam and make it such a huge part of my life and my identity. And especially because you can't ever appreciate anything until you fully explore it. So after doing my own research and talking to so many people, I started to appreciate Islam so much more than I did before. And an example I could use is with my hijab and with observing Farza. And so up until recently, I was observing Farda just because I had been doing it from a young age, so I was used to it. Mm. But in my first year, I realized that the hijab is not only a piece of cloth on my head, but more so is the key to people seeing and appreciating who I am on the inside rather than on the outside, especially because we live in a society where women specifically are seen and valued for their looks and beauty rather than their intellect. And so I think with Islam, I learned to hide my beauty and kind of force everyone to see my intellect first before all else and after that realization I didn't just learn to appreciate my hijab but also Islam as a religion of empowerment so as as you know as you were growing up as well and learning more and more about uh, Islam and the teachings of Islam as well can you say would you say that Islam has made you a, a better person I think I can definitely say that Islam has made me a better person um, and that's because this religion specifically provides a moral code on how to live life. So that means we get guidance on every little thing in life, whether that means, uh, whether that be putting on your shoes, starting with the right foot, hmm. or the manner in which we speak to people on a daily basis. Like we get guidance on every little thing. And all of these rules have been perfected and placed in the Holy Quran. And some might say that having such extensive guidelines on how to live your life is considered strict. But to me, I think that these rules set boundaries, not just for how I treat other people, but also how I treat myself. And the easiest part about all of this is that Islam tells us, in essence, that we just have two jobs in this world. And the first one is hukukullah, which is our duty towards God, and hukukulibad, which is our duty towards God's creation. Hmm. And by fulfilling our duty towards Allah the Almighty through prayer and seeking knowledge, we benefit ourselves as individuals. And when we fulfill our duty towards Allah's creation by serving mankind, donating to charity, showing mercy, etc., then we benefit others. And I think because of these two obligations, Islam has made it so easy for all of us to become better people, not just to ourselves, but also to those around us as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Samila Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us on our, t- on our show today. It's been very, very insightful. And uh, thank you so much once again. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me.
So you know, all of our guests uh, today have uh, have spoken about you know sort of the same the same thing as well, and the way that the teachings of Islam are. It, it's not as if it's you know it, it does tell us what to do at the right time and tells us little things as well. Um, you know, such as you know what, what, what I guess spoke about as well, put, putting on the, putting on your shoes from the from from your right foot when you enter the mosque, enter with your right foot, all of these things. Yes. And you know, there's there's so many small things which which Islam has, has taught us, but all of these are just footsteps. You know, different things that we can actually do, and that will lead us towards a very happy lifestyle. And if something is laid out for you in front of you, you just have to do those things, and everything will be in place for you. Yes, you know. Um, even though I don't have any social medias anymore, but I saw. Oh yeah, you're talking about <laughs> this last week as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> but uh, you know, I saw a post once, and someone uh, I forgot who it was, hmm. but I saw a post saying, um, "I pray five times a day," hmm. and then and it was it was a cartoon type, and the other person in in a speech book was like, "Oh, that's boring type," hmm. and then he goes to another person. That I do a yoga, and he's like, "Wow, that is great!" Mm. Even though not when when you pray, you do postures, and different different positions. It's, it's 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 yoga also, but mm. it's also spiritual it's, yeah. and physical yoga. Yeah, that you uh, and, and it's for your own betterment also. Yeah. And regarding then then there was another post on the uh, another reel, the same thing. And it was regarding fasting. It's saying, "Oh, I'm fasting. It's Ramadan or mm. something like this." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Oh, you must be struggling or something, and mm. then so he goes to another person. Oh, um, I'm doing intermittent, uh, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting. Yeah. So well done. You you doing good. Yeah. And then it was alcohol, mm. right? And he goes, hey, alcohol, and like in the picture there, and he goes, oh no, I don't, I don't drink it. Mm. And uh, he goes to another person, and he says, oh, I'm trying to be um, sober. Mm. And he thought, oh, great, no, oh, right. that's really good. You know, <laughs> It's the mindset, yeah. It's the mindset, exactly. That's why I would say Islam is there to. It's a way of life. It has told us where where this evil to cut it from the roots. Cut it from the roots, exactly. Cut it from the roots. Exactly. So it says um, not to take a little bit evil. So not to drink a little bit. Mm. So you but don't get drunk or do something. You don't get drunk. Don't drink Obviously in the first the, place. Obviously, there's purpose of um, alcohol if we use for medicines mm. and all that. But um, drinking it uh, by itself, that that's forbidden, mm. and because it in, intoxicates you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the word, right? Into- intoxicate you. Yes, I was thinking. Okay, there might be another word. Then that's why you should be um, refraining from it. it even when when we talk about fasting, mm. it it opens up our, our, our body. Also, you're um, you're losing some uh, what's it called um, fats, and fat, you yeah. and you're gaining more energy also when you eat and you 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 have your day to think about Allah the Almighty. And spiritually, you're gaining also. You know, you you're feeding your, your spirituality at the same time. Mm. Where you where you turn down your um, physical eating, your spiritual eating starts. The spiritual, yeah. Your spiritual, spiritual eating nourishment has begins. Exactly. Your nourishment begins there. Exactly. And when you talk about salat, obviously that's both your physical and your spiritual nourishment right mm. there and then. So Islam and religion, in in small thing, yes, we do need it, and we hope you know that our listeners. Uh, will be more interested in finding out about religion it, it, so because I was interested um, mm. also you know, when I was younger I was like okay when I was my GCSE level like okay what is religion What? Mm. why do we need it and then obviously listening to um, the Friday sermons of His Holiness and also the, the Imam of the Mosque and that intrigued me and mm. inspired you to come inspired in, come in. Come I can say the same way. I can say the same thing uh, you know for, for myself as well you know just listening to His Holiness's sermons Friday sermons that also inspired me as well because I didn't 
uh, personally, you know, obviously I didn't have an, an intention when I was younger to actually join this uh, career path as well, going into Jamia Ahmadiyya, becoming a missionary. That wasn't part of my goals. But, you know, as you mentioned, you may have your own plans, but Allah the Almighty is the best planner. Correct. And whatever he has planned for you, if you go according to that plan, then you, your life would be your life would be set uh, as well. So, it, it, you know, like you mentioned, hopefully we have tried to shed some some light. some light on this topic as well. But obviously, why we need religion? I mean, obviously we try to um, talk about that as well. The promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has written so much about this as well about morals, why we need morals, how we can progress on our morals as well. And this is ultimately the you know why we actually need a religion uh, as well. That actually draws a conclusion uh, to our show today. Thank you so much for listening, and of course to all of our guests who took time out and spoke to us to, uh, spoke to us as well. Today's show was uh, produced uh, by Aisha Tahir, uh, Tahmina Tahir, and also Zain Karim. Uh, as well and of course uh, thank you to the tech uh, the tech department Akib Ahmed and of course pleasure speaking to you uh, us talking uh, with you uh, discussing this top- these top- two topics with you Saad as well uh, until next time Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all